Hi, and welcome back to the WHVP podcast. In this episode of the podcast, the WHVP team sits down to discuss investment strategies and considerations that investors should take when selecting an investment strategy. Before we get into it, the team will discuss the news of the Swiss government ensuring a sustainable energy future. We also will update you on our plans at WHVP to visit the U.S. at the end of 2021. Let's get into it. All right, so welcome uh, welcome back to WHVP Podcast. Um, I'm Jess Roberson, sitting here with managing partners, partners uh, Jamie Freihoff-Tose and Urs Freihoff-Tose. Um, and today we're going to be talking about investment strategies. Before we get into that, though, we're going to talk about the Swiss government streamlining their energy transition. Uh, just a quick news thing. Have you guys heard much about it? Read a little bit about it? Yeah, it's been in the news this morning, I believe. Um, it, it's a big talk about like what to do with the uh, electricity. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, one big issue there is that Switzerland lies in the middle of Europe and there are some uh, tensions between Switzerland and Europe when it comes to how to um, make sure that energy is uh, provided efficiently and since there has been some um, some problems with uh, other negotiations between Switzerland and Europe uh, we have um, now this discussion about the electricity and how we can uh, exchange electricity and uh, and energy in general and so yeah we are we are on a on a or in a special situation there and we really hope that there will be a solution in the long term but for switzerland now it is very important that we find a solutions for ourselves so that we have a plan b if uh, europe uh, what doesn't get along with us and doesn't or is not interested enough to find a solution with us yeah and i think on top of that which is really interesting about um the swiss population is a couple years ago swiss voted to end their nuclear power plants so they're currently working on that um goal of of um deconstructing their nuclear power plants and switching to hydroelectric um, energy sources so from water or then from wind and uh, currently the process to actually get those projects built um, is it takes a lot of time due to the bureaucracy in Switzerland and so what they're trying to do in the government was interesting this morning um, reading about that was how they're trying to almost do the Amazon of of government of where Amazon wants to get you as least the least amount of clicks to get you to buy something the Swiss government is trying to work with constructors of uh, hydroelectric plants with water or wind um, to, um, to streamline the process. Often these projects, because they're so big, so monumental, they get stalled for five, ten, in Switzerland's case even, um, one of the dams they've been trying to raise it and, and grow the plant for 20 plus years, it's been in court, and so they're trying to figure out a way how do they safely streamline this process trying to bring clean energy sources that will be sufficient for Switzerland, as we was mentioned, um, to be self-sufficient at the same time, you know, have a clean energy source. It's, it's a massive project, um, but that's one thing that's very cool about Switzerland is what the public says, the government has to get done. And I think that's a, it's really cool to see that 
you know, from the outside, it's not necessarily a finance topic, but from the outside to see how the Swiss work and how they function and how they've been able to be such a stable country for so long is the government working with the people and going back and forth. So it's quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean there is some or there are, are some relationships to the financial topics because if uh, Switzerland has too much of electricity power, they usually sell it to Europe and the other way around. And if you have this huge uh, construction size and uh, all this spending which is going on, all of that has to be amortized over the years and will be part of the of the electricity cost. So we will see where this leads. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's also quite impressive in my opinion, at least how Switzerland as such a small country surrounded by the European Union is really standing up for its independence because that was also um, a vote that was put uh, in front of the um, uh, Swiss population and we have voted no several times to join the European Union and it's not always extremely easy to negotiate with such a large and powerful partner but so far I think Switzerland has done a pretty good job in getting us involved in the most important agreements and having good trade negotiations and all um, things like that but still at the same time saying no we don't want to be part of this union we want to be our own country and having our own sovereignty and i think this balance um, is is striked pretty impressively yeah being independent is good <laughs> yes yeah true yeah so cool let's jump into our topic of today wait which... before we jump oh, in yeah, i would Sorry. i would like <laughs> i would like to um to quickly talk about our travel plans again i think we have already touched upon it uh, last time but um, it is coming closer and we still have a few spots left for one-on-one -on -one meetings. Uh, we'll do a city tour basically over the next three months where we will uh, visit a variety of uh, states and uh, cities in the US. Um, we will start with Miami on November 21st, I believe. Mm. Um, uh, Wars will be there for approximately a week and then move on to LA and be there for about a week at the end of November. Um, I will fly to Chicago, will be there in the week of Thanksgiving and then on Black Friday I will fly to New York and be there for about a week. And then in December, Chess will ha have a variety of meetings in the uh, Colorado area, is that right? Yep, front range. Um, Denver, right? Yeah, Front Range, so Fort okay. Collins, Denver, Colorado Springs area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then in January, I will be in Orlando for uh, the week of the 10th. And in February, on February 4th, I will be in Las Vegas and also visit Phoenix for a day. So if any of those cities are where you live or close to where you live and you would like to meet with either Jess Wurst or myself, then please again reach out to info at whp.ch. We'll be very happy to meet as many of our listeners and interested people as possible um, just to tell you more about all the topics that we have covered over the past couple of months, tell you more about Switzerland, what we do and also hear more about your financial situation and answer any questions that you might have surrounding offshore banking. So please do not hesitate to reach out and we're happy to arrange for something. Yeah. And Sorry. now we can head now into, our, into our topic of the yeah. day. So the topic of the day is going to be um, investment strategies. So something that we as an independent asset manager do is work with clients um, to determine investment strategies that will best fit their uh, goals and some other considerations. Um, so I'll quickly just kind of give the definition of investment strategies and kind of a quick 
uh, synopsis of what they can be. Um, there is a myriad of investment uh, strategies that can be taken uh, to help guide uh, investors' decisions making throughout the lifetime of their portfolio. Whether that's um, you're just a totally new investor, where do you start? What strategy do you take? Um, or let's say you're 25 years in and you've had a strategy, um, can that be changed? Um, so the first thing is to, to focus on is there's so many strategies, it's, it's good to always revisit that and see if it still fits um, the parameters that you have as an investor. Um, you know, whether that strategy, let's say, is a, um, a growth strategy where you're trying to really grow your investments or your, your capital that you're investing as fast as possible, that would be considered a, a, a aggressive or a, a growth strategy. Um, then you'd have a moderate, which where you're trying to grow your strategy but lower the risk that you're taking. So in every investment, there's a risk uh, reward that you have to, um, to consider. Um, and obviously, the greater the risk, there's the greater the potential for a reward. So a moderate strategy looks at, okay, I want to grow um, my capital that I'm investing, but I don't want to take as much risk um, in the investments I'm placing in. And finally, you have capital preservation, which is a low-risk um, strategy um, that can be taken to preserve your capital. So you've built up wealth. Uh, you want to preserve the wealth that you've built up. Uh, you want to grow it, but you want to take as little risk as possible in growing that wealth. So that would be considered capital preservation um, strategy. Now there are very various types of strategies that fit into those three categories. Um, you know, as as far as what kind of investments you're putting your money into, um, and how you weight your portfolio. And weighting your portfolio is where are your investments, and what different investments are they in? Equities? Are they in bonds? Are they in funds? Are they in precious metals? Are they in alternative investments? And, and how you structure your portfolio um, will be guided by what strategy you have um, and how, how much you'll take depending on those things. So to consider, to, to, to figure out for the investor where you might be on that level of which strategy category you would be most interested in growing or building your portfolio, there's a few things to consider. First is your age. How old are you? Are you young? Um, do you have 40 years to retirement or do you have five years to retirement? Um, so age is a, is, a, is a big consideration. The next is what are your goals? Are you planning to retire at 30 and you're 21 right now? Um, are you planning to retire at 75? Or in Switzerland, you know, you kind of have the cutoff date at 65 where they say this is when everyone gets <laughs> kid goes into retirement um, and how far away are you from that what do you want when you get that point do you want two million do you want 10 million do you want five hundred thousand? because you have other um, investments that are going to take care of you or you know retirement accounts that can take care of you what's your lifestyle what are your costs it's another um, another consideration to have when you go into investing because you have to know how much you can invest each year um, and how much you can invest right away. Are you planning to buy a house in five years? Maybe it's better to hold off on starting that portfolio or you've already bought your house so I can spend $15,000 a year to regularly invest. Um, and then what's your financial situation? You know, Debt is a big thing that a lot of people carry, um, especially in the US. Are you still carrying those student loans? 
Um, are you carrying a mortgage? Do you actually have money to invest? Are you just paying off your mortgage to the interest rates? You know, so getting rid of debt, what's your financial situation? How much, you know, that kind of goes into lifestyle, but where does it fit? And then do you have available capital? As we mentioned, are you gonna buy a house? Have you been saving up for that house? Do you just have money sitting in the bank account earning 0.0005 interest um, that can be used to actually um, grow your wealth a little bit? Um, and what's your living situation? Do you have a parent that maybe is gonna be going into an old folks home or moving in with yourself where you're gonna to need to take care of that pay parent or a kid who maybe is gonna be going to college? Um, so you have to kind of look at your 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 personal situation to see can you actually afford to spend that $15,000 um, on, on a, a portfolio. And then finally, what do you expect for returns? What's your desire? You know, look at, I want to earn 5% on my portfolio a year. I want to earn 10%. You know, it's kind of setting that. Um, th these are some things you can consider before going in. Um, and, and finally is, should you work with a professional? And um, how do professionals actually help? And so, Urs, I think you'll kind of walk into the strategies and portfolios or uh, investment strategies and some more considerations yeah. about that. Yes, I think you, you brought up very good points uh, when it comes to <coughs> what you have to consider, what else you have to do before uh, or when, when getting the process started. Um, yeah, I think it's a... Uh, Another also very important point is what is your capacity to risk? So how much can you not necessarily lose, but if the, uh, whenever you do an investment, it can also go down. And we have seen it uh, very impressively last year when the corona or the effects of the coronavirus and the lockdowns hit in when the markets took a dive of 30 to 40%. And now we are here 80 months later seeing the markets being up uh, 10% uh, compared to where we have been before the corona crisis. So are you able to hold on even if things are a little bit uh, rocky? And um, yeah, but I think when it comes to the investment strategies, there are some different uh, strategies. So the most uh, famous one or value investing or growth investing, momentum investing. Um, I think the, the point with the financial situation is also quite um, essential when it comes to choosing the right uh, strategy. Because if you say, okay, I, I have a hundred thousand US dollars and I want to invest a hundred thousand and I, I can't really split it up, then you should go with a strategy which you can hold on in the long term, which mostly is a value or a long term value strategy. But if you have a portfolio of two, three million, you, you might be able to split it up and say, okay, 20% of it, I will put into a growth strategy, which is more risky. I don't have a look too much at it. And uh, I let it, uh, let it be handled by a professional. Um, another part of maybe 50% I take into value investments uh, where I can just buy the stocks I like, which pay good dividends, which have a stable uh, balance sheet, like borrowing investments we know, like Coca-Cola or Apple or whatever. Um, and then you have still 30% left uh, where you can take, for example, a momentum strategy or where you can 
do something which is uh, maybe so, something that make that is uh, fun for you. You can, uh, for example, buy a rental house and then rent it out or uh, whatever. So I think that there are or there are a very um, a lot of strategies you can choose from, and I. And it is important that you choose a strategy where you know, okay, I can hold, hold, hold on like for a long term because often it needs about five, ten years so that it really works out. And if you lose your, uh, um, what, is, what is it called? Yeah, initial investment. Patience. Yeah, if, if you patience. lose your patience. Then, <laughs> yeah, hopefully you do, will not lose your initial investment. But if you lose your, your patience after two years and change the strategy that's kind of the worst you can do because if you if you lose patience and you change it mostly it will be right at the at the bottom mm -hmm. and that's uh that's very important to keep in mind so stay stay the course even if it is uh like if it is difficult as long as your situation haven't changed mm -hmm. I think that if I may jump in, it's yeah. also one of the reasons why working with a professional can add a tremendous benefit because it takes the emotion out. Yes. So you have like this um, barrier between you and your portfolio um, because the professional investor, you're most likely not his or her only client. So um, he or she can really look at the portfolio from an objective point of view. And I think there are points in time where you do have to say goodbye to a bad investment or where you do have to liquidate part of your portfolio. but. It shouldn't be a um, spur of the moment thing where you just uh, panic or, or again lose your patience. And if you um, work with someone who does that for a living, you don't have to rely on your own emotions anymore. And you can have some more peace of mind knowing that someone um, with a more rational approach maybe uh, is looking after your money. And I think that can be very helpful to um, people who, who feel that they are quite emotionally invested into the performance of the portfolio. Yeah, yeah and, uh, and a good solution to this point, taking out the emotion is if you're able to make like regular payments. If you say, okay, I, I pay every quarter or every month a certain amount into the portfolio, which will be managed either by someone else, by a professional or by yourself, you are able to take out the emotions because you're stopping, stopping to to try to time the market because you say okay I invest every month thousand bucks and if if I have a good uh, or high courses I buy at high courses but if it drops I buy at low courses and at the end you have a good average and if you believe that the markets in the long term always go up then it shouldn't be a problem there you there of course you have to to watch out what kind of investments you take in. Do you take in some funds, some ETFs, or do you do some uh, direct investments? I mean, with direct investments, it is still important, even if it's a, a boring investment. Uh, I call it now boring. Uh, but if it's like a stable long-term investments, you still have to check in from time to time and look how they do, of course. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, maybe we we can talk briefly about some of the specificities of um, having investments offshore because there are some specific considerations that you have to think about when your investment strategy includes assets abroad. Um, I think, well, first and, and foremost, and, and the most well-known probably in, in the uh, investment community are what we call PFICs, Passive Foreign Investment Companies. 
Um, broadly speaking, that is relating to any kind of funds and ETFs that are, that are denominated outside of the US um, that are not specifically registered in the US. And those investments for Americans can have uh, significantly negative tax consequences. And they can also make the filing um, of your taxes much more complicated. So what we do at WHVP is we completely uh, exclude PFIX from our portfolio. So we make sure that none of our investments qualify as that. Uh, if you were, have investments abroad that you manage by yourself or that is managed by another company, you should really um, make sure that you don't have any PFIX in your portfolio. And if you do have them in there, that you are aware of them and that you are aware of the tax consequences. Um, and also the reporting requirements that comes with them. And then uh, what we also have here in Switzerland is a withholding tax. So on dividends and interest, I believe, yeah. you have a withholding tax of 35% that will automatically be deducted. Um, most banks that we work together with automatically reclaim the tax on your behalf, but it can take a year or two until you get the money back. And also a small administrative handling fee will uh, be deducted from the side of the bank um, for reclaiming the money on your behalf. So the um, amounts that you will lose or, or the work that you have to invest is, I would say, negligible, but it's still something that you have to know. And then the last point uh, in regards to taxes, well, maybe second last point, um, would be the stamp duty that is also um, affecting stock, stock investments here in Switzerland. Um, where you have to pay a small fee or respectively a small tax when you purchase um, a stock or a bond investment. And then lastly, I think it's also important as an American, if you work together with an investment advisor um, abroad, that even though those people are usually not tax um, attorneys or tax specialists, that we ourselves uh, do also not consider ourselves a tax specialist, but it's so important that they are aware of the tax consequences of um, for example, long and short term capital gains so that they are aware of the fact that you can offset gains with losses, that there are um, different uh, levels of taxes depending on how long you've held an investment. And I think it's just important that you yourself are aware of those things and potential pitfalls and that if you screen a professional investor that you are looking out for those things and that you make sure that you have a partner that is aware of those things as well so that you don't um, fall into any uh, problems or that so that you don't make your life more complicated than it needs to be and so that you don't pay um, more taxes that you have to pay. Yeah. And it, uh these are good points, and uh, one, uh, one important or one good possibility uh, how you can like have an investment with uh, not taking into consideration these long and short term gains um, issues is uh, if you have an IRA. So if you have an IRA, you don't pay any taxes. So everything which you have in your IRA should be excluded uh, from tax implications in this in this regard yeah that's a very good point i think it's also um, it makes sense to have different investment strategies for different types of accounts yes um so yeah with retirement money of course you might want to invest that differently than i don't know a, a trading account or a, a savings account that you have so yeah to to think about where the money comes from and what kind of money it is and what kind of purpose it has and also what kind of tax implications it has 
think that's a, a great point to make and that's important for people to keep in mind as well. Yeah, I think those are all very, very good points. And Jamie, maybe you can talk a little bit more about what we do professionally at WHVP with, with, in regards to investment strategies. Yeah, absolutely, of course. Um, I mean, this, this is the, the, our bread and butter work um, is, is putting together investment strategies that fit the specific clients that we have. Um, we pride ourselves in, in having a rather small client base so that every relationship manager that we have, so here that would be Julia, Ors and myself, that we really have um, a, a small amount of clients so that we can know each and every person and their families uh, personally, that we know their values um, in life, but in finances more specifically. And uh, this, this process starts at the very beginning before, before the account has even been opened. We talk about... Um, the investment philosophy of our clients and there we can already see if we are a good fit or not because if a person um, would like to have their portfolio 50% in hedge fund and 50% in cryptocurrencies then it's probably not a good fit with our philosophy and while almost all of our um, accounts are tailor-made we still have an, an overall investment philosophy that is more on the conservative side of things and uh, while we do have different levels of risk and, and uh, rewards in that sense we still don't do any of, of the very high risk or, or alternative or illiquid investments. So I think there in the first step, uh, it's very important to see if, if we are generally aligned or not. Then with the client that we do on board, where we feel that generally we are on the same page, we then have an in-depth discussion where we talk more about um, things that, that fall under the, the KYC segmentation, so the Know Your Customer rules here, so where we learn more about how the money was acquired, um, in what kind of career stage the client is, what the time horizon is, basically all of those things that you just have mentioned in the beginning, so th that we really have a good understanding of the client, that we also um, see what, what is the, the time horizon for the client and what is the idea if, for example, something happens to the client, if it's an older person, maybe we also include the, the potential people who will inherit the money um, and then we'll make a suggestion. Um, we'll, we'll put together an investment strategy where we determine together with the client the level of risk that they're willing to take and then we, we basically um, determine bandwidth for the four asset allocations that we have. So for in our case there will be foreign currencies, stocks, bonds and precious metals and then within those bandwidth we then um, include the, the personal wishes and preferences of the client. So we have some clients with quite extensive lists of restrictions with um, companies and industries that they don't feel comfortable investing in. And then we have some clients who have very specific markets that they want to get in. Um, we include all of that and then put together an, an initial investment strategy. And then depending again on the client's wishes and preferences, we talk about this strategy at least once a year, but sometimes up to four times a year where we just quickly check in, see if we're still on the same page, if there's um, a need for a change, either because of the financial situation of the client, sometimes someone uh, needs to take money back to the US, someone, so, sometimes some people want to make investments into a house or a car or whatever. Um, and also where we talk, take into consideration the market developments and just see if, if we can stay the course or if there's some need for adjustment. And then we're basically um, taking it from there with, with ongoing communication, um, with, with some back and forth by email and phone. And now nowadays also Zoom meetings where we just um, check in and, and talk about where we see things going 
and where we talk with the client about um, where they see things going, what they would like, and then we uh, make gradual adaptations if it is needed. But most, most of the time, I would say our strategies are set up in a very long term. Um, oftentimes, the, the clients don't really change their um, preferences or, or their underlying factors oftentimes stay the same for several, several years. Um, so we most often have portfolios that are quite consistent in the long term, um, where we can really benefit from, from this value investing that, that we um, have for, for most of the portfolios that we manage. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I thank you, Jamie, for for talking about that. I think it's really important that um, people understand the differences between when we talk about value investments. That when we look at value investments from, uh, as Jamie mentioned, a conservative standpoint, we're looking at capital preservation um, in in all of our investments. Um, yeah, obviously, if we choose higher, uh, if if we have maybe potentially a client. Um, who wants a higher level of risk, we're still, as, as WHVP, we're capital preservation specialists. So even the investments we're selecting, we're trying to look at getting the best value with the lowest amount of risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important to point out um, because we're here, again, as was mentioned, and Jamie, we're here for the long run. We want, you know, we want that wealth um, to grow over a long period of time. Um, and and our strategies are set up that way, and I think that's it should really be highlighted that we're looking we're not trying to time the market we're not trying to hit the exactly the right moments of when we're going to make the most money in the next two months because we found a great opportunity to go in. We're trying to grow the bulk of the wealth for a long time. Um, in my opinion, um, that's where wealth is created. That's yeah. where true wealth is created. That you're going to be able to hand on to your next generation and the generation after. Um, it's it's not a get rich quick scheme. It's a let's let's grow the wealth together. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's really very very important that to manage the expectations and to see okay what what do the clients want and are we able to provide this kind of service they want? Because if not, it doesn't make sense to go through whole the whole process of opening an offshore account and after six of months. You have to close everything and uh, uh, take it back again. So it's really important to take enough time to to evaluate whether this is a good fit, but also, of course, at the end to make to being able to make a decision and say, okay, now I go for it and I go for it for the next five to ten years. So that you know w- what you're going into. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's very valuable to build the relationship with your with your uh, investment professional that you're going to be working with um, without the relationship anything is everything is, is more complicated <laughs> and so yeah. taking that time initially to build that trust to build that connection and, and find out do I as the investor really want to work with this asset manager and as Jamie Norris both mentioned constantly does my expectation fit with the expectation of the professional I'm working with Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and throughout this conversation today, we've talked about taking emotions out of investing. There's going to be, in my opinion, there's always going to be emotions in investing. You're putting your livelihood, what you've built mm-hmm. into it. Um, so how can you then be, how can you find that investment professional who you can talk with, who you can share those emotions with, 
who can act as a good sounding board and be able to go through you with those things and reduce the severity of those emotions. Um, you know, I mean, if we ever turn on the TV in the States, it's very, um, it's, it's very theatrical and, and explaining movements and stuff. So how, how do you go in and navigate through that noise to, to really stick with something? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's something I've watched Jamie and Urs do very well. And, and and it's what I like about WHPP is how we how we approach investing through a very long term approach that's actually valuable for clients. Mm. Yeah, maybe one last point from my side. Uh, we we talked about consistency quite uh, quite a bit now, and also look out for consistency in your financial partner in your financial advisor because for us it is very important as uh, the owner of the company that we will be here for the, at least the next 30 years and uh, that we, uh, we will be able to go through different uh, situations in life and be there as an advisor, as a, as a fr- friend a little bit also, so that the, the client knows, okay, if I come back uh, or if I have a question in 10 years, if there is something happening, uh, in my family or in my uh, personal situation, I know this person I'm talking to, they know already what, what my history is. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of the WHVP podcast. If you're interested in getting into contact with us at WHVP for any reason, you can email us at our contact email at info at whvp.ch. If you want to check us out on any of our social media handles, you can find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube by simply searching WHVP. Have a great week.